0: Hello, and welcome back to WCBC Review, where we put the spotlight on small businesses. Today, we are interviewing Keeley Helmick of the Connective Therapy Collective. How are you today, Keeley?
1: Doing really well. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous Portland day outside.
0: So I am super excited to talk with you about your business and what you do there. So first of all, what exactly does the Connective Therapy Collective do?
1: Yeah, so we are a small group of practitioners, a mix of licensed professional counselors, as well as pre licensed counselors, interns, and we do therapy for we focus on LGBTQ community and trauma, we also have a specific being that we work a lot with sex workers and working with a lot of folks really if you just think about like everybody outside of the like cis heteronormative box so mm-hmm. we work with all types of relationships and a lot of community members and just helping people out the best way we can from a therapeutic
0: standpoint. I love it. And what's your role there? What do you do?
1: Yeah. So I am co-owner and I also supervise and I see clients and I lead workshops and I do probably way too much right now. As you know, like small business owners, we just are always hustling and doing mm-hmm. as much as we can. You know, the thing is, I, I'm i a co-owner and the other owner is Angie Gunn. And her and I got together. We thought it was a great idea. 2020 was gonna just be this like rad, awesome year <laughs> full of just like so much goodness. And so January of 2020, we combined our small private practices because we had a lot of the same values and, and ideas. And we're like, yeah, let's work together and combine. And then COVID hit. So we, yeah, so we started a business. It's just been about a year of doing this and it's been really, really interesting.
0: (laughs) No kidding. You know, I've been really surprised talking to small business owners because I've talked to more than I expected that actually started a business right around when COVID hit or just before well,
1: it was funny. You know, it's funny. And there's this really, really bad cheesy song called F 2020. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but you'll have to listen to it now. It's really cheesy, it's total poppy, whatever. <laughs> and it starts out saying like, yeah, you know, New Year's Eve 2019. So excited. Like I literally that like script people will be like, yeah, I was so excited for 2020. It was just going to be the year for us. And I think there was a lot of high hopes. I will say The thing about my, you know, the business that I run is there more than ever, there's such a high need. Mm. And so it's, it's been really fascinating to both balance growth and really wanting to maintain the health of folks that I employ, you know, Mm. it's a really big balance, like with, with any kind of growth. It's like, okay, this is like, oh, there's so much need. So more people than ever are seeking out mental health services. And yet I don't want to overload my clinicians. I'm trying not to overload myself. And, you know, we're all in this mix together. We're all doing this together, right?
0: Some growing pains. That's a good problem to have.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I always tell people, it's like, you know, I I love this work. I've been in the mental health. I mean, technically postgraduate, I have a master's degree, a master's in counseling psychology from Lewis and Clark. Technically 15 years post-grad. However, I started doing running groups at a sexual assault support services in Eugene Mm -hmm. and started when I was 19. So I've actually been in the field for like 21 years. And I always say like, you know, I'm very grateful. And it's the one job where if for some reason we we ran out of work, it would actually be a positive thing. (laughs) So, but we also do like a lot of workshops and education and work with interns. So we are more than simply providing individual and relationship counseling.
0: Wow. It sounds like you do a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what made you want to get started with all this specifically with forming the collective with your partner?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Business partner. Yeah. Well, I always knew I wanted to own a business and be in a small group practice so I was very goal oriented. I'm a Virgo, very, very goal oriented. And the longer I've been in the field, when I was at agency work and working for an agency, I recognized how the systems within the dynamic of mental health is horrific at times, really mm-hmm. horrible. And I, myself, I don't need to go into the details, but I myself experienced a lot of things within the mental health system that was really horrible, like really not supportive of clinicians. And so you're like promoting mental health and yet not providing services or helping clinicians, you're like draining them dry to help Mm -hmm. all these other people. And so then when I began, when I got my training as a supervisor, I was like, whoa, there are like no queer supervisors. I was like, where, like I was seeking additional supervision and I wanted someone who worked in the arena that I do, you know, doing sex therapy and LGBTQ, anyone And, and it just wasn't there. It was a bunch of, because it's Portland, Oregon, white, cis, hetero, even, you know, male, the higher you get up, even mental health. It's very heavily not cis male. However, as you get in the higher ranks and the educators, the people in psychiatrists, psychologists, president of the universities, you still have that dominance. And so I was like, I want to provide, like, I want to be the support and help people that I, that I didn't get the help with. I didn't get to have that. I didn't get to have an internship site that validated any kind of queer trans experience or any kind of informed care, let alone like non-monogamy or any kind of other relationship formations. Like that just wasn't, that just didn't exist or it did exist. I shouldn't say it existed, but it was not readily available. And so my business partner, Angie, her and I shared, we had small private practices and we shared office space and we would just, you know, chat in between sessions and just found that we were very aligned ideologically and values and really wanted to more than anything, provide a practice that supported clinicians beyond like, yeah, we can do mental health, but where, where do you find a work atmosphere that, that supports clinicians and clinicians' lives outside of, you know, providing money for a business?
0: Wow. What a mission. So has that focus on the clinicians brought you a whole deluge of people who want to work at the Connective Therapy <laughs> Collective, or are you looking for new people or you have, you found everyone that you want to get? Or are you trying to expand further?
1: Yeah. I mean, so, right. We're always looking to expand. The thing right now is waiting to see how, so we're all telehealth due to yeah. COVID. And so we have office space that we go to, cause I have two, two kiddos. And so I don't, when I see clients, I'm in the office, even though it's in telehealth. And so we're looking to expand and really our big goal is to find a space. Because really, we want to be more like I was saying before, we're more than just a mental health organization. One of the most beautiful moments when I was, when we were counseling before COVID, and we had a lobby area, and you would see people just talking in between sessions. And like making connections because Mm -hmm. one of the things with mental health and especially for queer and trans folks, we don't, you know, there's not always space available or it's hard to meet other people or there's like so much depression, anxiety, like Mm -hmm. just tied in with dealing with our system and how our society is. And so it'd be so wonderful to to just walk into the lobby and, and like see people snacking. And we had, you know, a bunch of like, cause we're, you know, also do sex therapy. So there's always like sex positive stuff and things, you know, and just seeing people hang out. And so I want to get an actual physical building to be able to, have all of these availability for people to hang out, for people to go, that it's a space, not just to like, oh, I go see my counselor for 50 minutes, you know, for a 50 minute session, but like make connections and run groups and do community outreach and have live workshops eventually, (laughs) have group meetings. So yeah, our next, we are expanding. We're definitely, we just hired a couple people and we have a new round of interns coming on. And then we're gonna, we're opening up hiring and then we're looking for a building in portland i well yeah i mean there's a ton of building yes we're we're staying in portland actually my business partner because of covid she actually went to idaho so she's not even in the state but i'm i'm community oriented i i want to say i want to grow in portland so yeah finding a spot in portland a building that can house all of us and the services we want to provide
0: wow good luck with rent
1: yeah for Real.
0: I love that you are wanting to provide that space though, because what I've heard in the community, if the audience doesn't realize I am non-binary. And yeah, Keely, do you want to share about your orientation at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll yeah, just it it is helpful to know my identity. I identify as a queer gender fluid non-binary person who so not only am I working within the community, I am part of the community. So which has its pluses and negatives.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I
1: have <laughs> it's a small community
0: and it's a very
1: small community i've run into how many pride you know how many pride events and be like oh hi yep i'm just gonna pretend i don't know you and do your own <laughs> <both> thing <laughs> <laughs> i do my own thing you do your own thing we're all good
0: what i was saying is that something i hear a lot is that there's not a whole lot of spaces for queer folks to meet that are alcohol free
1: Totally. Yep.
0: And, you know, as you were saying, depression and anxiety are really prevalent for us. Oh, joy. And alcohol generally doesn't. Help that in the long run. Yeah,
1: and we come from a framework of you know I won't go into too much terms, but I'll say a couple things so people want to look it up or are mm-hmm. interested to hear more about it. Which is we come from a harm reduction model, mm-hmm. and we support folks who are also in full recovery. And one of the things that is not nearly talked about enough when you talk about spaces is providing spaces for people to meet. The high correlation with our queer community and drug and alcohol abuse is, again, it's a systemic thing because we, there's often this correlation called sex drug linked behavior. And Mm. so being able to express yourself in a way feeling like basically alcohol and drugs are a way to feel okay to express yourself. And so individuals who are queer and trans identified, it's much higher rates because of that, because society pushes us into corners and, just really doesn't provide a lot of opportunities. And so the opportunities that we do have are when they're that limited, it's just that. So that's part of, it's another big part of it. So I like to throw out those terms because a lot of people don't know them. And so they can kind of, they can research it and see what it's all about.
0: Yes, please, people look into harm reduction, (laughs) 100%. So speaking of hard things, I am (laughs) curious about with you opening in January, right before the pandemic hit, What was the toughest part about opening up during that time?
1: Wow. I think the thing was the hardest, but also provide proved or showed us our resiliency was the quick transition going from completely in person Mm. to going completely online and having to manage. So that was the number one, like business piece, you know, just really being like, okay, how do we, because as a, as a new business, as everyone knows. It's like, you're trying to just like, keep, you know, meet meet ends. You know, you want your payroll. You just make sure that you can pay payroll every, you know, pay period. And beyond that, you're like, okay, it's our first year. If we get beyond that, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so really making sure like quick change around, you know, getting all of that in place and keeping everyone safe at the same time. And then the second hardest part would it, would be that we as humans, So when we do mental health as a, as a business, like I'm the product, you know, like I am providing the service. And so when you're in a pandemic and then have these like huge forest fires and just Mm. natural things going on, maintaining my own health, physically, mentally, emotionally, like I'm in the thick of it with everybody. So it's not like this person that I'm talking to who's having this experience and they come to session and they talk about their childhood and we work through trauma with EMDR or whatever. It's like the thing that they're dealing with is the same as what I'm dealing with. And so it's extra, extra challenging for all the clinicians. And so we just had to be really, like I said, a lot of resiliency and being really creative and just really a new level of authenticity and showing up as a human versus like old school therapy is like, oh, you keep separation, you know, client and you, and it's like, you know what? I'm human. And yeah, when you're saying it sucks that your child has to be next to you while you're working or you're trying to navigate all these things because of covid or you're scared about your parents or you know the mask sucks like I'm going through all of that and I I am part of that and I think we got you know I got some practice of that you know like I said because I'm part of the community that I, that I serve and there's so much inner <laughs> in her goings about but it was really extra it and it's still I mean like COVID's still here we're still in the thick of it it's just starting to get a little
0: easier we're just getting numb to it at this point I feel like
1: yeah
0: yep the old question of who cares for the caregivers so, if you had to start over from day one, would you have done anything differently? Would I have done anything differently?
1: Well, I'd say the one thing I'm kind of a scrappy type person and I just like figure things out. And looking back, I would have hired some kind of business consultant or like mm. figured out a way to maybe take a couple classes because I'm like a business person that kind of figured it out myself and going from a small practice where it was just me and an intern and a like very part-time office manager to then growing just last year alone. It's now a full-time office manager, two owners, part-time marketing person, and six clinicians. (laughs) That's like a huge, and being an S corp and having a full-time employee. is like, that's a whole nother level that I just, I thought I had it down in private practice, but there are some major big leaps that I, that I had to figure out. And so it would have been nice to have, it would have been nice to have a little bit more support and recognize where other community members could, could have maybe helped me some more.
0: Mm, yep you don't gotta do it alone <laughs> No, mutual aid
1: mutual aid
0: I feel like small business owners especially were are like okay I'm my own boss now so that means that I do everything <laughs> and it doesn't have to be that way There are people who make their whole career out of helping small business owners.
1: Yeah, there's some amazing people out there. And I've really, really enjoyed this past year, really expanding the thought of like, yes, I own a business of being like a business in the community and how I can reach out and the different like like masseuses and other acupuncturists and just all different types of business people, even, oh, who's making tea or who does coffee or who does, you know, like things we can do in the office or who's like super sex positive or sex education or all the different areas of life that support our business. I want to connect and like really build community. I think that's the biggest thing with COVID is that now hopefully looking to transition out of this like COVID like cocoon, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know on zoom constantly as I really look forward to continuing to build these relationships with so many different small businesses in Portland
0: well I know a few people that I could hook you up with we did an (laughs) interview with salty betch a little while ago who makes really sassy bath salts he's very sex positive she even has like a bar of soap that's shaped like a vagina and (laughs)
1: stuff like that Sounds like something that would be in our office.
0: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Great. So if you had to look a year out in the future, assuming that COVID takes care of itself or is taken care of, what are your dreams? Where do you want the connective therapy collective to be?
1: Yeah. So I want, to, so right now, yeah, there's kind of like three or four different pieces. To it. the first one, like I said, is we're looking at getting a new building. So it'd be really great a year from now to have mm-hmm. a, a space and I'm building. So my alma mater is Lewis and Clark college mm-hmm. and which is in Portland, Oregon, for those that don't know. And so I actually work with Lewis and Clark college with interns there. And so I'm working towards right now. I'm working towards building curriculum, sexuality and gender 101 for therapists. And so I hope to be teaching like a six hour, one CE, you know, one credit unit at Lewis and Clark. So I'm going to say what they say. Nice. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping to be teaching just like just one or two of those classes, because one of the pieces is how therapists in general are not taught about sexuality and gender. I have, you know, so much of my business, I'll have clients coming in or supervisees coming to me and being like, yeah, you know, I have this, they have their own therapist and they're like, yeah. And they would ask me these questions or they would make these statements. Like there's so many things that just average therapists do. And like 90% of the time it's super unintentional, you know, but it's Mm -hmm. like, it's it's but it's sucky and it's it's harmful and so many microaggressions. And so I hope to be teaching, you know, with the universities and colleges in town to help up-and-coming therapists to be better trained and to really support and really to lobby for better, better skill training actually in college. Like it shouldn't be like you learn this after. That should be sexuality and gender should be a part of the curriculum. And so really lobbying for that. And then beyond that is working with ORCA, which is Oregon Counseling Association, and they lobby with local government officials in in hopes of expanding OHA, Oregon Health Authority, expanding coverage. There's a high, high, high percentage of queer and trans folks on Oregon Health Plan the system, the line to get from like getting Oregon health plan coverage to finding services is really challenging. Mm. And OHA makes it very, very difficult for us as clinicians to Mm. help serve the folks we want to serve. And so I really want to work with the organizations and, and local government to make better changes so that we can serve all humans, you know, but especially queer and trans BIPOC folks who are overrepresented in Oregon health plan because we know all the reasons <laughs> mm-hmm. I go too political but that's but that's what I hope to see so that's I'm really excited to be you know we're moving towards those directions
0: so what's the number one way that you're getting new people in right now if they're not are they still finding you through the system or how are they finding you word of mouth yeah they so we do take
1: OHP we do it's challenging it's takes a lot of extra work, but it's always been a really important part of my work since I was in private practice. So most people are actually finding us what my marketing person said, Mel, Mel's an awesome person. I should use her name. Mel, it helped did the web, Did a lot of the website along with the co Angie. And we get a lot of traffic through our website, but we do take OHP. Yeah, we do take OHP and other private insurances. And we just have a whole range of everything from like we provide some pro bono services. We have sliding scale with interns. We have a whole range. And so we really try to do our best to be able to serve as many folks as we can, but, but especially those people that don't have access
0: like other folks do. All right. Wow. Well, we sure covered a lot (laughs) in this interview.
1: Did you learn something about therapy that you didn't know?
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, I've always kind of been concerned for my therapist because, <laughs> you know, I'm, um I've been a CNA and I'm a massage therapist. And so I know that the people who take care of people are humans too. Like they're not immune to feeling bad. They're not immune to anything. They're just normal, regular people. And certainly the last year has been really really tough on everybody. So yes, yeah, so yeah. I'll keep that in mind next time I talk to them. So the question that I like to wrap up any any interview with, blah, blah, The question that I like to wrap up every interview with is if you had a brand new small business owner in front of you, what is the advice that you would give them? Would you have lead any advice? Your, I would
1: say lead by your values and don't do the get, you know, talk, just talk to people and, you know, just read and and reach out and, and talk to people that aren't in your business work. You know, some of the best, the most valuable and best advice I've gotten is reaching out to other businesses that aren't therapy businesses and learning how other businesses run. So definitely yeah lead, lead by your values, because that's what's at the end of the day, that's, what's going to keep you going Mm -hmm. is, you know, aligning with your values. Yeah. Reaching out working with others.
0: I hear that a lot, reaching out, getting a mentor, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And just, yeah. And being in community, like you're not alone when I get to talk to other business owners and I, there's other small groups that are forming therapy businesses. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're dealing with that too. Like I'm not the only one dealing with this crap. This so So much validation, so much validation.
0: Nice. All right, Keely, it's been so great talking to you. Where where can people look you up and find the collective?
1: Yeah, so you can find us. We have a website and it's connectivetherapycollective.com. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find some really great things. We talk about therapy. We talk about sex therapy. We talk about all kinds of relationship things. You can also find on the website, different video broadcasts of workshops that Angie Gunn have done, that I've done. So lots of places to find us.
0: Awesome. And I will link to all those places for anybody listening. Just check the show notes. It'll be down there. And I just want to thank you again. This has been such a great conversation and maybe one day we can have you back on in a year and see where you're at.
1: Yeah, I would love that. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Yep. Have a great day, Keely. Bye.
1: Bye.